Thank you for the gift of righteousness. Thank you for the fact that our prayers are acceptable before you. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's declare these words as we begin to study. One, two. Let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I am being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Uh Understanding in a greater measure is your portion today in Jesus' name. Healing. Healing by reason of the entrance of the word. That's your portion today in Jesus' name. Abundant prosperity, open doors. That's your portion today in the name of Jesus. As this word is coming into your heart, it is opening doors for you, making you see doors that you did not even know, all right, were there before. You will see them clearly, and you will enter into your own door, and you will not enter into any trap in the name of Jesus. Every trap starts as an open door. Are you getting my point? Yes, that's it. So it's not every door that opens that is the door of God. So, but you need divine wisdom. You need the leading of the Holy Spirit to know which door is which. Do you understand that? Yes, you need divine wisdom. You need the Holy Spirit to lead you so that you will know which one is which. All right, so you will enter into your own door in the name of Jesus. The angels of God will show you which one is your own. And an angel took Hagar and told her, look, and then she saw a well. Many times we are crying over something where God has supplied something around that area. But blindness because of crying is the reason why we don't see. Can I just say this? It's very important you are cheerful in life. You have to resist the spirit of heaviness. You have to resist confusion of soul. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Anytime you meet people who are afraid, he tells them what? Fear not. Why does he say that? It's not as if fear or no, no need to be afraid. No. What he was saying is that if you are afraid, you will miss something. Do you get my point? If you are afraid, you will miss something. You will miss something the Lord wants to do. You will not notice something that he's doing. If you are afraid, God will bring deliverance. If you pass by, you will not see it. If you are afraid, God will bring help. You will not notice the help. If you are discouraged, God will dig a well for you, and you will be shouting of thirst, and sit beside the well and die of thirst. Do you understand my point? That is a problem. Somebody will be shouting of thirst, and you will be beside the well. That's what happened to Hagar. It's when we, are, we have been encouraged by God's word, you understand? That is when we are able to see what God wants to do. So I pray for everybody listening to me again this evening, that you will see your own door in the name of Jesus. Amen. Discouragement will not take hold of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus, every spirit of heaviness, I rebuke it now. Amen. And I command it to depart from your heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Joy is a spirit. Receive the spirit of joy in Jesus' name. Amen. He said, the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's very important. The peace of God that passes all understanding. That will enter your heart today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When it comes, it guards your heart. That's, your heart will no longer be troubled. You will see trouble, but you will not even notice it. Amen. That way you'll be able to see the deliverance of God when it comes. That's your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we give you thanks. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. As you are sitting down, please congratulate somebody on your left and your right. Say you are very wise. Very wise. You are wise with God's wisdom. 
Christ. Uh, welcome to the table of refreshing. Amen. Our school of prayer, don't ever forget it. We are learning to do what? We are learning to pray. We are trying to form a habit of praying. We are not just trying to... We pray, I mean, and enjoy it. Please, those of you who come late, most of our prayers are at the beginning. So please try and come on time. Yes. Okay, first 30 minutes, what we do is prayer. A very serious prayer, which hardly involves chasing the enemies that are fighting our destiny. I'm sorry, I have to talk about it. It's my job. It's my job to talk about it. Praise the Lord. Don't worry about the enemies fighting your destiny. Actually, there's a proverb in the West that makes it clear that the enemies fighting the destiny of the leaf is on the leaf. As I does, the proverb goes something like that. What the interpretation of it is this. It is what is in you that is fighting you. It's not what is out there. Are you getting my point? The enemies fighting your destiny, they are not outside. They are inside. You say, does it mean there are no enemies outside? No, I've said it many times. I'm just saying they are inconsequential. For those who don't know, let me t- tell you a little bit about um, HIV, that is this virus. One reason why it's so dreaded is the way it works. It's a very, very, that is, in fact, when I'm teaching students, I tell them that, look, that virus alone, if you study it, you believe there is a devil. You know that disease is intelligent. That diseases are not accidents. It's not like somebody didn't know what's happening, suddenly they just fell sick. Disease is designed. HIV is a very, very, it's a well-designed virus. In my knowledge of medicine, I don't know any virus that can come close to it in its craftiness. I don't know any. It's very, very smart. It hides inside somebody for years, you won't know it's there. And all, all those years, you know what it's doing? It's killing the person's defenses, little by little. It doesn't kill people by itself. It just weakens people. That's where I'm going. Just weakens people. There are many cells in the, uh, that the Lord put in the human system that are involved in what you call immune defense. It attacks two of the, in fact, the two most important ones. In fact, it attacks the singular most important one is what it goes for. The one that every defense is built around it. If you know a little bit about it, you hear them talk about CD4 count. What is it? That is the name of the, that is the way we describe that central cell. Now, this is the problem. When you have finished knocking the person's immune system down, every little trouble will now start jumping on the person. That's the issue about it. That's how it kills. Normal, uh, normal infections that, what am I saying, normal infections? Infections that you can use to brush your teeth. Bacteria you can use to brush your teeth and they can't do anything. You can sprinkle them on your food, eat them. You will swallow them. They can't do anything. They are all over the place. They are all over the environment. Then after that, those will now start causing sicknesses. In fact, the way by which doctors suspect somebody has HIV, and that's not the only one. There are other things I can do that, but that's the central one, is when you find somebody has an infection by an organism that you don't think can injure anybody. You have, you don't, nobody, we don't quarrel with the organism. We screen the person's immune system. Now, what is wrong with you? Why will such a small bacterium like this, just a small organism, be causing problems? We'll now go and check it. And that's why you, you start suspecting. Somebody is having infection somewhere inside his throat that normally you know shouldn't go near there. Have you seen what I'm describing? But the doctors don't really quarrel with those ones. They say, oh, this is a problem. Something has knocked down his what? Immune system. 
That is the preaching we are preaching. That Jesus has strengthened our immune system. That's what I'm preaching. And people will now be, when you talk, people will, they will give you a testimony of one man in the village, how the witches killed him. His immune system is bad. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's the issue. We know about those things. We're not saying they don't exist. We're just saying that that man's immune system was down. He doesn't have the redemption that is in Christ. Do you follow my point? Spiritually, the righteousness of Christ puts our immune system together. And as far as God is concerned, all witches, plans of the enemies, all those things are what doctors would call opportunistic. Which means that they can't do anything normally. Do you understand? They can't. If the immune system is together, they really can't do anything. It's only been knocked down that they start causing troubles. So, that's what the Bible says. How will one chase a thousand? And two chase ten thousand. And he was talking about a thousand Israelites and ten thousand Israelites. We're not talking about the enemies. When we quote that scripture. Alright? It's how one enemy chase a thousand Israelites and two enemies chase a two, uh, ten thousand Israelites. He said, how will it happen? He says, only when their rock has given them up. So Israel was not supposed to ever discuss the strength of their enemies. They were supposed to discuss the relationship with their God. That if their God doesn't give them up, one million enemy soldiers can't do them anything. When they pray effective prayers, one soldier, not one angel, one, will go into the camp of the Assyrians and knock down how many thousands? 185,000 in one night. Because the God that's on their side is so strong. That's why he doesn't worry about such things. So it's an embarrassment to God in heaven when his children gather to discuss the Assyrian soldiers. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I went somewhere recently. <laughs> I'm sure people on my left, <laughs> they wanted this guy. He's not. And you know, I sat, they put me where the ministers sit. You understand? I sat amongst ministers. And the man in front was preaching. I was preaching. I just took my Bible and I was reading it. Everybody rise up. You will now pray. As it rose up in my mind, if I join this prayer, God will put me out of ministry. So <laughs> I put my Bible that I was just reading. I was just reading. So you will say, every ancestral curse in your life today, you are broken. I said, me? If I open my mouth and say it, God will put me out of ministry. So I just opened my Bible and I was reading. In the corner of my eye, I thought the guy on my left was wondering, who is this guy? Everybody was praying. I didn't answer anybody. You know that? I'm sorry for being like that. I have a bit of stubbornness, all right? So it's not a problem. It's a spiritual one. It's a good one. I just refused to talk. And one of the reasons why I refused to talk before, eh, I'll just be praying other prayers. Yeah. This is why I refused to open my prayers. I know some people are watching me. When they hear those prayers, they will say, what is Frankie doing there? So I just stand there and be reading my Bible. Good enough, the prayer was going with good music in the background. So I was just nodding down to the Lord and studying the scriptures. I was just reading. When they finished praying, we said we should sit down, we all sat down. I can't be praying about Assyrian soldiers when the angels of God are not asleep. Are you getting my point? They are, they, they are not a prayer point for me. They don't worry me. Why? Because these, these infections are called opportunistic. If the immune system is together, they are not a problem. So my duty is to keep on putting my spiritual immune system together. How do I do that? It's simple. One, there's a foundation of faith in Christ Jesus which gives me the foundation of righteousness. Two, I continually obey the word of God that is revealed to me. You are getting my point. I constantly do that. That puts my immune system together. And if I don't, I don't work on the infections. I work on what? The immune system. 
Do you follow my point? So please, anybody hears me say this, people think that I, <laughs> and I told you I want to preach somewhere. So women, women can gossip. Even men gossip, all of us, are, I'm not trying to abuse women. Men gossip, women gossip. But that was three women. I didn't know one of them was on my side. So she will go home with her friends at night. And they were, that pastor does not know African demons. They were, you know, because I preached like this. So they said, I don't know African witches. If I know African demons, all the Ogbanges of Africa, <laughs> the evil people of Africa. So she finished discussing with them. Next day, she came to tell me. She said, Pastor, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I just want you to know. Yes, the other was going home. My friend said, you don't know African demons. You don't know the witches of Africa. And they said that. He said, yes, sir. I said, very good. Thanks for telling me. I went back and used them to preach <laughs> so that they would know that I had. They just misunderstand me. I told them once I stumbled to a website. I was looking for something anyway. And I found, you know, when you find your name, going to strange ways, well, what are they saying about me? You know, that kind of thing. So I clicked. It was, uh, I think, Netherlands. So one guy was talking. One would say, go and listen to this man. You'll thank me later. Another person said, I like him. The only thing is that he's too soft on household enemies. I had a good laugh. They said, I'm too soft on household enemies. That, I mean, this man needs to be tougher on household enemies. I have told you, all of these things are, you know, the, the Western Nigeria, they are, witch, they are witches in that place. So they taught the rest of Nigeria witching culture. And we think it's Christianity. So those things filter no, really, when, you know, Mike Murdoch said something. When people transmit information, they also transmit their prejudices. That's it. Western Nigeria, they grew up worrying about witches. And they brought it into the church. And the rest of Nigeria lent it. What I'm going to emphasize is that, listen, don't think I don't know about it. I know about those things. They are true. I, I don't want to bore you with stories. I don't want to bore you with stories. They are real things. They happen. They really happen. I have stories that are very, very authentic. That is not stories of somebody said happened to somebody. That I'm just one person removed from the center of some of these stories. Some of them I know very well. Some are stories that, well, they sound credible, but I cannot swear by them. But they are stories that I can tell you, quote me, I know what I'm talking about. And you will see the, the reality of devilish power. These are the things that people exalt. And Christians now get confused. That, ah, Pastor Banky, you are saying this. What about this? I told you I went to preach. A woman came at the end said that she wanted to talk to me. What is it? He said, I said a, a witch cannot create a Christian. A witch killed my husband. I, without, I didn't even let her phone. I said, your husband was not born again. That's what I just said. I said, your husband was not born again. And he said, okay, sure. And like I said to you last time, even if indeed you see what looks like it is true, Okay? The witch did not kill that person. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's the Lord that gave the person up. It's like telling me now that Satan destroyed Job. Is that possible? Was it Satan that destroyed Job? No, answer me. God himself said it. He said, you, in, in, you, you, is it in, 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 you, what, what's that word now? Incited, that's what I'm looking for. He said, you incited me against him. It was God that said to Satan, all right, hedge removed. Now you're going. You don't hold Satan responsible. You hold God responsible for that. And when he was saying that, he said to him clearly, thus far and not one bit further 
So you can touch his goods, you can't touch him. No matter how much Satan tried, Job was untouchable at that point. After a while, he came back. Negotiation continued. He held to his integrity. His faith in me is intact. Satan started his accusation again. It's because um, he's still healthy. And what did God say? Touch his body. But what? You can't kill him. Which means if all the demons in hell gathered and decided to start stabbing Job, there was not a chance in a trillion that is a chance, one chance in a trillion spread over 100 billion years that he would die. Why? The Lord had given the word. He had given that word that you can't kill him. Try as you may. So if Job died, it wasn't Satan that killed him, it was God. So when Saul died, it was made clear that Saul did not die because of the strength of the enemy. Say Saul died for the trespass he committed against the Lord. Are you seeing that? Meanwhile, the enemies shot him. They wounded him in battle. Then he committed suicide. And then the Bible says Saul died for the trespass he committed against the Lord. That's how it works. So that's why I say what I say. <laughs> that day I said to people, I say, yeah, you know African demons. I say, I know African demons, I know African witches. But more than them, I know my Jesus. I know the power of my Jesus. I know the resurrection power working in me. More than them, I know spiritual authority. I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that's what I'm preaching to Christians. And that should be your attitude. That is why I don't understand why somebody wants to start praying. And the first line is, as I begin to pray, every power fighting my destiny. Sorry, that's why I react the way I react to that prayer. And then where did you find it in the Bible? Jesus prayed. Did you see him as I begin to pray? The demon that's coming against me, they will not get me. Paul prayed. Did you hear him say that? You saw Peter praying when there was persecution, when there was threat. You didn't hear him say that. James taught us to pray. He didn't tell us to do, say that. People now get up in the morning, they, you know, the one that I say all the time. You know, Christians, I, I just keep saying these things. I want to have said it. I'm innocent of everybody's blood. I'm innocent of their money. What do I mean? You've preached like this, we are still going to sow seed for deliverance. Anyway, like I always say about money, that money... It's not your own. It belongs to everybody. It belongs to God. It belongs to the Lord. One way or the other, he will collect his money. If you will not give it willingly, you will give it deceitfully. You know what I mean by deceitfully? Somebody will deceitfully collect it from you. If you don't spend it cheerfully, you will spend it grudgingly. One way or the other, you will spend the money. If you're a habitual generous giver, to be hard for somebody to scheme you out of your money, I went somewhere recently, somebody was preaching, he was preaching. He said, those days we used to offer sacrifices. Not time for deliverance. You also offer a sacrifice. I thought the person, I said, what kind of preaching is this one? He said, it's good we're raising money. I said, that's not how to raise money. He said, if you want to raise money, you know how to do that? Just get up and say, brethren, we need to come up with 2.5 million naira between our next week. So the Lord has blessed you. See us during the week. Bring it. Bring what you can. If you have the 2.5, bring it. We don't have to wait for everybody. I pray that, look, listen, I, I'm really believing God for it. When we will come to church and announce that, brethren, that money we told you about, um, I think it's enough. You have given enough. Uh, there's no project at hand right now, and we are not in the mood for saving money. So please invest your monies in your businesses. Your life is not your fault. 
it's not your fault. It's like she said, hmm, that will be the day. <laughs> because such an unusual thing, we Christians, ah, pastors do that. <clears throat> One day I got involved somewhere once. <laughs> They say, ah, somebody said, if we can just get this man of God this amount of money, so that all these thoughts not should stop. I said, don't worry. If we get that amount of money, we'll double the need. That's, that's what we are used to. That's what we are used to. But as a matter of fact, what God wants is what I've described. That Moses will say, please, brethren, um, all the things you brought for the building of the tabernacle, it's okay. We don't need any more. As for your gold earrings, please wear them. Wear them on your children. Put them on your grandchildren. Say your ears are full. Put them in your nostrils. That one don't fool. Put them for your uncle. But please don't come near where we are walking. You are disturbing Bezalel. I mean, why should storage of gold be an issue now? We said, let him make things, instruments of worship. We are now turning us to a store of gold. It should come to that point. We said, you know, we said in church, brethren, thank you very much. The building we're raising money for. Um, as I yesterday, we paid the construction company the balance and um, all, everything put together. No matter what else we put now. We will not finish the money that we have. So please, no need to give towards that project further. When we get another project we need, we will let you know. Meanwhile, for those of you who are feeling bad that we did not let you put in, we have contacted two other places where they are doing some work. You can, this is their phone number. Call them whether you will be inspired to give to them. All right, please, don't disturb us. We are preaching. You know that kind of thing? You are laughing again. She's like, she just warned me. Ah, on this earth, pastor, is it on this earth or in heaven? But you know it's doable. There are two sides to it. One, Christians should be generous too. The people who control the money should be disciplined. Sometimes, you know, we start misbehaving when we see too much money. Start having ideas. So that building, we have finished it, but since there's so much money, let's coat it with gold. <laughs> the Lord is good. Oh, you know, that's just a digression. All right, so let's be generous. But the point I'm making is that so a lot of people, people are still getting up, say they want to go and sow a seat for, for, for deliverance. Makes me laugh. There's nothing like that in the Bible. Don't sow seed for deliverance. You believe God for deliverance. You accept the word of God for deliverance. You declare the word for deliverance. You pray for deliverance. Jesus has paid. As for the payment is complete. That man that was preaching that day, I just said, hey. the way you did it in the village is not how they do it in church. I, I don't know whether you're getting my point. But in the village, when we are giving sacrifice like this, that's the problem with your village. In church, we don't do it like that. Say so we renew it with an offering every year. I said, well, we also renew our covenant with an offering regularly. And it's called the communion table. It's called Thanksgiving. That's all we, we are supposed to do. We obey the word of God. I'll say it again. There is no, you don't sow a seed for deliverance. Money seed, you don't. The seed for deliverance is called repentance. The seed for deliverance is called faith. And we established here, faith and repentance, they go together. That's the seed for deliverance. If you want to be delivered, take God's word. Use it to cleanse yourself. Use it to cleanse your heart. Use that word to purify your heart, cleanse your life. That's the seed for deliverance. That is the seed for deliverance. Because Satan needs a place to hold in people's lives. He needs a place to hold. So if you remove the thing he can hold in your life, you're automatically delivered. And spiritual things are dynamic. What I mean is like, Satan can't hold somebody and say, I've held him. He has to keep holding. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I, I, did you, I, that thing, let me explain it again. He can't just hold somebody and say, I've held this person. He has to keep holding. That's how it is again with, with positive things. You don't just believe Christ. You keep believing. That's why I say, he that believes. You can't believe once and he's done. One man, the one I was telling you about, he said that, look, a Christian is saved by believing once. 
Even if he renounced Jesus later, the one time he believed five years ago keeps his salvation secure. It's a lie. What did I say? The Bible says, he that believes. The Greek actually emphasizes more than the English that the believing is continuous. But let me sit on this deliverance thing. Once you remove what Satan is holding in somebody, it falls off. He falls off. Once you remove what Satan is holding in somebody's life, Satan falls off. What does Satan hold on to? He holds on to a number of things. Prominent among the things he can hold on to is sin. It is sin. Disobedience to the word of God. That's what he holds on to. That's why Jesus had to say it like this. The priest of this world is coming. But he has nothing to hold on to in my life. He has to petition God the judge. So when he doesn't have anything to use to petition, he's lost. And if what he was holding before, all right, has been cleansed by the power of the blood of Jesus, what he now does is to deceive people. Next thing he used to hold on to people is ignorance. Deception. He deceives them. You have not been forgiven. You may have been forgiven, but the consequences stay. That thing is a lie. Stop preaching it if you're a pastor. Don't ever say that thing anymore. If you don't have enough faith, just keep quiet. Don't kill the person's faith. Don't kill the person's faith. Because you have been forgiven, but the consequences remain. Ah, what is it? You can say to the uttermost. Read that scripture and leave it there. You'll be amazed that your, your, when God moves you out of the way, it will stir up somebody else's you know, faith. So that your ignorance and your, <laughs> your unbelief will not kill it. That's what Satan does. He holds on to people because he keeps on making them believe they have not been forgiven. He holds on to ignorance. Deception. People have been deceived. That's it. So if you remove these things, that's the seed for deliverance. That's deliverance. That's automatic deliverance. Some people tell that in our family, nobody lives long. Listen, Repent. What did I say? Repent. Repent, first of all, of the deeds of the family. Repent of... You know, some people want to claim both sides of life. They've given their lives to Christ, but their father's name is sweet. It opens doors. But they don't know the... Norm, it opens more physical doors and spiritual doors. They want to hold on to natural advantages. And that's the problem. First, repent. Take your lineage from a new dimension. This was born of this will of flesh and the will of man. But this other one was born of what? The will of God. That's what it means to be born again. Be born again. And don't hold on to any, don't take pride in any heritage. My father is a, is a chief in our village. If you, if, you, if you pursue that chief title, you are looking for the curses of that chief title. Should I take my father's chief title? The answer is no, don't. That's not a joke. I mean it. But they are begging me to take it. Say, okay, come, let them come and discuss with you. What does it entail? They say, it means that you are, you are a voice for the village. Yeah, no problem. I can be. I will take that one, but we'll do it in church. Igwe will follow me to church. Council of elders will come to, come to church. My pastor will be the one to declare that I'm now the voice. And in that case, all of you listen to me every year. On that condition, I will take the title. I wear what I want to wear. I'm not wearing your cloth. I wear my own cloth. I wear a big cross. If you don't like the title on those conditions, then I will not take. I'm not chewing any cola. I'm taking communion. If you will not give me the title on these conditions, I will not take. <laughs> like Bishop Edipo said, what am I doing with Alekito Pepe? <laughs> he said, the devil has been pushing all these li- all- all years. You want him to not give a place in my life? <laughs> I'm not giving anybody Alekito Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> Say when he wanted to marry, but then was there. 
He said, they give you a list. He looked at the list. He said, just kept it aside. He said, Father, Lord, now come later. He said, we have not seen you. Ah, he told the man, and he get off of it, not me. I've been pursuing the devil. It is not now time to carry his things. I'm carrying it around. <laughs> he said, the Father, Lord, that's okay, no problem. Anything you don't like in the list, cancel it. He said, okay, fine. Now we can marry. We are get over <laughs> Cancel this. Say, me and Satan, there go. Let's not play things that we are not sure of. <laughs> the reprint is talking about Satan's traps. She listened to that series, Satan's traps. Say things like you buy a newspaper, you open to horoscope, you are inviting the devil into your life. They tell you what's your star? Pieces, Aries, Capricorn, Cancer, and you believe it. Satan's traps. You know, they have all kinds of things they do. They know what they call divination. Anything that has to do with divination. They are Satan's traps. Horoscopes. The one I mentioned, you know, stargazing. Uh, what do you call this one? Crystal ball. They don't do much of those things in Nigeria, but there are a lot of other things we do. They say they are looking for who's told. Come to the shrine to go and swear. If you go near there, tell them my yes is yes, my no is no. I didn't steal anything. So if you don't come to the shrine to swear, to swear, we know you are the one that took it. I said, if I come, he said, if I stand here and swear, the head of the shrine and all of you carry me there, you will soon know I'm not the one that stood it. When my God starts swallowing people up one by one, I ain't going to the shrine. You're the one. Eh, that's your problem. I only if I must swear. Okay, come, all of you come. I'm coming to church. My pastor is there. Let me go and swear in front of him. Yes, I was there, pastor. On that God, I said to you, I didn't take it. That's enough. So what I have done is more powerful than your village shrine. Let me tell you, being a Christian is a serious matter. The, your age grade will reject you. Ah, now you are born again. First proof, you've been born again for 15 years, you are not sure. Now you know. But when you want to agree to everything, so every person of this age must bring a yam and dance around the village. And you say, if you carry yam and dance around the village, your destiny has been danced away. <laughs> and I wonder why you are dreaming and masquerades are pursuing you. You went to their place to play. Why won't they pursue you? Yes? You went to their playground. I like one thing. If you ever watch a Lion King, <laughs> like some part there, the father of that boy told him he must never go there. What about that shadowy place? Don't go there. Uh, Mufasa told Simba, don't go there. Then Satan. What's the name of Satan in that film? Scar. Scar. You've watched it. Scar wanted to kill Simba. So he said Simba that, oh... Whatever the other said, the father showed that he said, I couldn't go there. I can't go there. He said, It's very right. Only the bravest of lions go there. And the little boy said, But I'm brave. That was the temptation. Went and called his friend, Nala. He said, yeah, I found this cool place. Let's go and look. Good enough. <laughs> this guy was told to escort them. They lost him, but he caught them again. He caught them after the demons had surrounded them. And they said, do you know what we do to kings that move out of their domain? If you remember. And the boy said, you can't do anything to me. And the bird said, banana beak. He said, technically they can. We're on their territory. That's the part I'm trying to get to. He turned to the little lion and said, oh boy, wait. Let's negotiate ourselves out of this thing. Technically they can. We're on their territory. Many Christians are playing on the territories of, the de- of devils. And they're not saying that uh, is have power. Leave their territory. Come to the territory of your father. That's what they call the dominion, the dominion of darkness. Leave that place. 
They are physical places, but they are not as important as the spiritual places. Live covetousness. Stop pursuing money the way everybody is pursuing money. Stop choosing where you are supposed to live the way everybody is choosing it. Because they are looking for security in physical places. Stop! And the devil will leave you alone. That's the seed of deliverance. It's the seed of deliverance. People are sowing seed, physical seed for deliverance. Nonsense. You can't be joining people to do everything, want to belong everywhere. Christianity is, listen, it's not a joke. Ah, sometimes I wish we could go back to the days when, when you get born again, the whole town will cry. They know you're gone. The days of SU. Your earrings fall off. Your pancake will leave your face. As for the men, your clothes will change too. I had an SU teacher in school. He had a brand new pair of sandals. He didn't wear it. He wore the dirty old one. If you look at his body that time, he didn't want to give your life to Christ. Because to treat what we call eczema was not difficult. Ordinary, we had leaves. As a little boy, you could rub on it, you go away. A little, little ointment, you rub. This world is not his home. <laughs> it's very funny. You know, we left those things thinking that, look, look, look. But the problem is that we said this is not Christianity, which is true, all right? But then, we now went to the other extreme. So that we dress exactly like the world. We have the same ambition, the same everything. Now we need to return to the balance, the middle. There's nothing wrong with looking nice, we know. But there is something wrong with looking worldly. And the world cannot teach us the standards of beauty. We are the ones that teach. We teach. Those are the things. People want to hold on to the things of the devil and still be delivered. You can't be delivered. You cannot be delivered. One of our brothers told me a spiritual uh, manifestation he had the other day. One day they called him and said, Pastor, 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 every night two demons will be pursuing her, harassing her life, molesting her life. So she called the pastor, help. Pastor, right, let me pray. And the pastor began to pray. And she heard two people fighting, shouting, we won't let her go. She has our money. Ah. So he called her back and said, my dear sister, whose money are you holding? That I perceive in my spirit, you have money for one man from a do state, another man from your state, you have their money. Then she confessed. Some people are wicked. They come to church to come and hide. You can't hide in church. In church, we will find you out in Jesus' name. Amen. We disgrace you in church if you don't repent. Satan will eat you up on the pulpit. You'll be there. We won't do anything. Wickedness in the heart. They want to hide in church. Because just mention the name. I'm a member of this church. Everything is okay. This, this worldly human being. Some people, I don't even know whether they are born again. Promise one man that he should marry him. And that one was spending his money. They engage, engage, engage. That one spent money, sent her abroad to go and do a postgraduate program. When she had finished using him, she changed her mind. Promise another one she will marry him. That one rented a house for her, furnished it well, set out very well. He wants to marry. She's now refused to marry that one too. <laughs> she now wants to carry their goods and go away. Now they turn to spirit. Again, <laughs> pursuing for night. No, this pastor, that's how he found out spiritually. He just said, What am I hearing? The girl had to confess. Let's not even talk about how to get deliverance from such circumstances. I don't have time to go over it now. But you cannot be playing. You know, people want to play. One pastor, he went and joined, I don't know what to call him, one, one preacher. He went and joined calls so he could make money. 
Do you know people, they, they are very, I've told you, when you see posters in town, be, be afraid. When I see your face, I prophesy, better run away. <laughs> all these people that use familiar spirits, they are all over Enugu. They, they are everywhere. They are everywhere. They are all over town. They make money. There's one thing this man of God said once. This man of God, Chooks, look at him. This one. <laughs> he laughed. He said, oh God, money day ministry. Now let's say you go die. Say, but money day. If you want to make money, you go make money, but you go die. God will kill you after. <laughs> what was he trying to say? People know how to twist. I mean, look, I always tell people, it's very easy. I can prove to you how much power a minister has. If I tell you now, don't bother. If I tell you, turn around, touch your neighbor's shoulder. You will have touched before you ask, Pastor, what is it for? I'll say nothing. Just sit down. You put your hand down again. And you won't be offended. That's the power God has given me as a preacher. No, it's power. And that's why as a preacher, you have to be careful. Don't abuse it. Don't tell people who to vote for. It's abuse of power. Uh, last major election, most people, when they heard me preach, they didn't know who I was going to vote for. In fact, they were so sure I voted for somebody else. No, I voted for, what's the name of the other guy that somewhere voted for? El, uh, is it Eliab? Eliab. Eliab. I voted for Eliab. Well, the Lord had rejected Eliab. <laughs> so as a preacher, don't, don't, tell who to, don't tell them who to buy from. Don't sell anything from the pulpit. Because you have a lot of power. So people, sometimes they want to use this power to enrich themselves. This man went and did it. Now see them going around and calling GSM number, card number. Now God does things. So look, they, listen. You can't, have you ever seen a counterfeit uh, 300 naira? No. You've not seen before? Yes. Are you in this country? Yes. You've never seen a counterfeit 700 naira? No. You've not seen counterfeit 1.5? No. Why? The agenies don't exist. Thank you. So these people go around faking what is genuine. They go around faking what is genuine. But they carry it to an extreme. Now turn into a trade. That's how you know that it's fake. Turn into a trade. Every time they come at the GSM number. Every time, GSM number. This is how you know a false prophet. Listen to me. Once they start like this, they call your GSM number and tell you who's afflicting you. Just so the guy is fake. Pack your bag and leave the place. I don't care how good the word he has preached is. There's one, one funny fellow like that I, I see around. See him on TV. When he's preaching, it sounds very sound. When he has a spiritual manifestation, shut down the TV. He's lying. Either he's totally lying or using familiar spirits. I like the one Canadian said. He said he has seen it before. A man of God will yield to the Holy Spirit one moment, yield to the evil spirit the next moment. That's why that thing the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, that, uh, chapter 5, that solid meat is for those who, through, by reason of use, have exercised their senses to discern between what is good and what is evil. You need to get to that point. There's one particular preacher, I listen to when he's talking, talking is preaching. I listen to him. Once he starts money matter, I switch off the TV. I know he's lying. His preaching on money is a lie. He's trying to collect. It happens. It happens. But I'm telling you, it happens. It happens. This particular preacher wanted to, went and joined the, the gang and started collecting money. So he, he, he traveled to go and do a program, return with three cars. How does he get the cars? Familiar spirits. He just tell you, yesterday, this happened, this happened, this happened. And then you bought a car last week. The Lord said, that car is going to kill you. Like, what shall I do? You will put it on the altar. It's for your life. Which one you prefer? To be without the car and be alive? Or to have the car and go to hell and, and die? And your wife will become a widow? If they tell you that kind of thing, and you don't know anything, you will go carry the key, put on the altar. 
That's what they used to do. Was a lot of money. Only one problem. The evil spirits decided to run him mental. By virtue of my medical training and my spiritual training, I, t- I said that and said, this is what they are trying to do. They want to run this guy mental. They began to talk to him all the time. That's the first stage of going crazy. He couldn't have rest from them. Yes, when he's on his pulpit, when he's on the stage, when he's, you know, performing, they will talk to him. He will look at somebody, they will whisper, this is his name. He will say, this is your name. You came from here. They will be whispering, they call familiar spirits. They know you very well. They, they know, they are, they're talking about the spirits that peep and mutter. They peep, they see, they mutter to the preacher. <laughs> they were telling him things. That man, his account balance right now is exactly 6,528,700 cobalt. They will give him the details. He will call you and you just go bank, you know, you know, alert. One of your customers just deposited 350,000. So the bank sent you alert. You open it, it's exactly as what he said. He said, the Lord said for your progress to come, give it to me. And you say, if you don't know now, you will collect it. Oh, God. But that's self God. Pursue God. Nobody will make merchandise of your soul. They were, it was working for him. Except that the space won't leave him alone. They decided to populate his ears with talk. And one of the things I heard about the spirits, they used to drive him into the hands of harlots. Yes. Many things you see in life, this is not natural. A man gets up and begins to pursue a shell all over town. Sometimes it's not just normal lust. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. Just grabs a hold of him. He can't help it. He can't help it. So he came to, to my friend, one of my friends, a minister, and came to cry for help. This I'm telling you the story. Went to him, I said, tell him, to be free of those things, it is easy. First, you will kneel down and tell the Lord Jesus you are sorry. Jesus is very kind. He's very merciful. If you can come to the place and kneel down and tell him you are sorry, he will forgive you so fast, you'll be wondering, are you sure you ever sinned? He forgives. He forgives so well. Now, this is why a lot of people don't understand. You say you can just believe. I said, believing is not just I agree. Demons also agree. It's the lordship of Jesus. So listen to this. I said, look, if that guy wants that, go to Jesus and say you are sorry. Tell him he won't do it again. And listen, when you have gone around deceiving people like that, you need to also get up and tell everybody, guys, this is what I was doing. According to Derek Prince, how far should the confession go? Say, how far did the offense go? That's Derek Prince's philosophy there. So should I confess my sin to everybody? Say, how many people did he offend? If you offended all of them, confess all of them. But if you didn't, no problem. Leave it between you and God. Say, but if you went around deceiving people, saying the Holy Spirit, go back there and tell them, I'm sorry, it was not the Holy Spirit. You do that. And I told my brother, I said, tell him. He has to burn the house he built with that money. He has to burn the cars. He can't even give them out. There are things God does not accept as offerings. They are cursed. Say, no, you can't give the poor. You can't give the church. You will burn it. You get a bulldozer and wreck the building. You know the way our government started doing to kidnappers' buildings? He said, you will wreck the building. You will take the cars, pack them inside there, set them on fire, burn them. Do that, the spirit will leave you alone. But you want to repent and go away with their cars. Even God will not come with you. No, 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 no. He doesn't agree. You don't repent and go away with the cars that the spirit gave to you. They will just sit in the steering. Once you're out, no problem. But once you come in, 
You just say, oh boy, you don't come. Sit down. We'll begin just again. Your head will start sinking again. They won't leave you alone. Look, these are the seeds for deliverance. The seeds for deliverance. The Lord is good. So, you see, actually, Satan doesn't have power over the believer. That's what I'm trying to say. When we are fortified in Christ, when by virtue of the power of his blood of Jesus we are washed, we are cleansed, what is he going to hold? He doesn't have anything to hold. Nothing, nothing, zap, nothing. That's why the confession of sin is very powerful. And you confess, it's like, ah, Satan says, why did you go and confess now? What's your problem? Because when you don't, you have something to hold. And you confess with repentance or get it. Satan leaves you alone. He doesn't have power over the, over the believer. It does not have. That's why we don't worry about him. Satan, the witches don't like me. That's their problem. You think, look, nobody, in this whole life, people can never like you. It's not possible people just, everyone just gang up to like. If everybody likes you, you have a serious problem. Honestly. Is, and some people are working for people to like them. What was Esau's problem? Uh, Saul's problem. Saul, king of, king of Israel. He wanted everybody to like him. He wanted everybody to like him. If they put him in political office, forget that they call it democracy. It's a lie. There's nothing like democracy on this earth. It's theocracy. God still appoints who's the ruler. Don't come into power trying to make everybody like you. No. Do what is right. Say, if I do, I will lose election. Then losing election is the will of God. You think it's every election you must win? No. But don't worry. They know where to find you when you are needed. They change governments. They will change Daniel. Then they will soon get into trouble. Somebody will say, there's a man in your kingdom. They will go and call him. <laughs> That's how it used to be. You can't go around wanting everybody to like you. No. Not everybody like you. That's just the way life is. They won't. That's how you know false prophets say Oh, I perceive my spirit that there are people who don't like you. <laughs> it's one of the funniest manifestations of the spirit that I hear from those funny prophets. And your family, some people are jealous of your progress. It's normal. Even you, you are jealous of other people's progress. If you have never been jealous of people's progress, one or two things, either you are lying, or you have been made perfectly like Jesus Christ in recent times. <laughs> It's normal. You just sit down there, you are struggling, you are struggling, trying to build up a business. Your friend just goes, zoom. Ah, he looked the car. He said, make a how far? We thank the Lord. You were in school, this boy, he didn't know anything. <laughs> you remember now. Three exams, he copied from you to pass in secondary school. And he says, ah, he said, this car is very fine. You just bought it. Uh, no, it's actually my wife's own. <laughs> I bought it like three weeks ago. She's completely had it, so I'm test driving it. Oh, this is not your car? No, I can't drive such cars. Ah, your mind, thank God, it's still on my level. No, my car is three times this height. I hope, Barry. America wants to kill me. <laughs> you know, in your spirit, you don't feel it that. Uh, just like, you're just wondering why you are not feeling happy the rest of the day. <laughs> my spirit is heavy with me. It's no, listen, it's normal. What is wrong is for you to keep it there. If you're a believer, you go to God and say, did you notice what happened today? God, they say, which one of them? Many things happened. He said, I make an encounter. <laughs> the Lord will laugh. He said, don't worry. He said, what do you want? He said, create in me a new heart. Renew a right spirit within me. That was not right. Help me to rejoice when people make progress. You pray like that two or three times. Next time, you'll be excited with every, anybody who makes progress. You'll be so excited. You'll be saying, no, that's normal. You'll just become very, very excited. 
What I'm learning is some, some, some people don't like you. It's normal. They're just not born again. That's all it means. And if they are born again, they are walking in the flesh. It's not a word of knowledge. Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, preached the truth. They still saw people to crucify him. Do you get my point? There were still enough people to shout crucify him. You will have assumed that if this man really, if he really did all the things they said he did, they won't be able to find anybody in Israel to crucify him. Listen. Jesus saw people were sick for 18 years. On Sabbath, they healed them. A woman, her husband had died. Her only son now died. He raised the boy from the dead. Multitude hungry, he fed them. There was a time, a number of times he was ministering. Everybody that came got healed. Every single person. People will be touching him, they will be getting healed. They heard the testimony of the woman with the issue of blood. You will have thought that, how can they find somebody to want to crucify him? And you, all you have done is build a big queue. And you are saying people are jealous of you. You are not serious. <laughs> that they have not killed you, you should be happy. They should be. You have not done anything for anybody. Jesus did everything for everybody. But no matter how good you are, some evil people, the Bible says they love darkness. The fact that you are in the light is just the problem. You didn't do anything, no. One day one policeman stopped me. He said, you can't go. I said, why not? He said, you not do me anything, no. This guy is big. Now you get out, you can't go. <laughs> yes. Somewhere before nightmare here. He looked my car. He told me the price of the car. And I said, it's my own. I can't go. I looked the guy. looked the guy. He said, no. He said, you didn't do anything. He said, nothing. He didn't ask for my papers. Nothing. He said, but this car is your own. Ah, I like. <laughs> Unless I give him money, I'm not going on. He didn't check. Is your papers expired? Are you have a valid driver's license? Nothing. It was that this young man, you buy this kind of car, I'm standing here suffering. You're not serious. <laughs> That's what life is. So people don't like, so don't be impressed. Don't think you are so important. It's a normal thing. It's a normal thing. If you are poor, people won't like you too. I hope you know that. If you are making progress, they will not like you. You are not making progress, you are the talk of town. That boy is very lazy. If you're making progress, where is he going? He's always in a hurry. <laughs> the Lord is good. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, this life, eh? Just face the Lord and leave people. So when the prophet comes to the people who don't like you, don't, 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 don't just the pastor, say, pastor, you're very funny. Are you trying to tell me you now everybody likes you? How come you don't have my problem? There are people in your family that don't like me. See, I'm used to it. When I was born, my mother said this. Some people were not happy she delivered safely. It's normal. This child was born for the rising and falling of many. It's normal. It's not a word of knowledge. Remember the one we said? Said there's a black woman in your family. In Africa. In Africa. Black woman in your family. Black woman in your family. If you go to Norway now and say that to the, to the normal Norwegians, I will believe you that you had a word of knowledge. You come to an African family and say, there's a black woman in the family. You say, what I need is, tell me the family that doesn't have any black woman. Nonsense. So that they are sitting, they are sitting, sitting on your destiny. Have you noticed, those who sit on somebody's thing can't go anywhere themselves. Please don't believe all those prophets. It's your offering they are looking for. You know I've been telling you. 
You say, give offering in serious places. You won't have money left to give. <laughs> you won't have money to, left to give in strange places. The Lord is good. The, ah, the Lord is good. <laughs> I don't know I'm laughing. Anyway, that was greeting each other. Let's not get to our message for today. Open your Bibles. Why are you laughing? Is it not the truth? Apostle, uh, is that not what I started with? I said, every power fighting the destiny. I just want to correct that. Have I said anything about being a prayer warrior? At all. Not at all. <laughs> Open your Bibles. The Lord is good. We won't say because of Banji Spirit, we will not preach our message. <laughs> Let's preach our message, I beg. Open your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2. Oh, you think I left my house to come and say that kind of thing? Let's, uh, let's preach real, real message. That's what the Bible calls the sincere milk of the word. That's what we have dealt with. Let's not talk about the deep things of God. Do you understand? That was the sincere milk of the word. Let's talk about the deep things of God. Verse 1. He said, I will stand, Habakkuk chapter 2. I will stand on my guard post and station my, myself on the rampart. Uh, let me just read that from the New Living Translation to make it easy. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There we wait to see what the Lord says and how we answer my complaint. My New American Standard says, and I will keep watch to see what the Lord will speak to me and how I may reply when I am re- reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision. And inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. For it will certainly come, it will not delay. Let me just stop reading those, um, after those three verses. Now, you know, for some time we've been looking at um, being a prayer warrior. And what we have been laying emphasis on in recent times, in the last few meetings on this, is the fact that without faith in the heart, sorry, without expectation, prayer is not possible. Prayer is not so that God can change his mind. That's not what it is. It's not like we want the Lord to change his mind, per se. Prayer, intercessory prayer, prayer most of the time, is to bring into existence that which the Lord has proposed to do. And we discover that, first of all, by studying the Word. So that which exists in the realm of the Spirit is what we try to bring down to the earth. In prayer, what we are doing is that we are discerning where God is going and giving Him power and authority on the earth to do that which He wants to do. That's what prayer is. Because we have studied many times, That he says that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. What that means is that if God wants to go in one direction in our lives, he requires us to release power and authority. All right? We read that from Revelation chapter 17. We give our authority. We give an okay. We give our amen to what he wants to do. That is why it is important, therefore, we learn to pray according to the will of God. That's what John was saying. Now, we've, we've established that the primary way by which you do that is reading scriptures. You see here that Habakkuk was a prophet, and he said what he does is to stand on his guard post. He climbs to the watchtower 
to see what the Lord will reveal. Let me just put it like that. So when the Lord reveals something, that is what decides the direction his prayers will go. That's what decides the direction that his prophetic word will go. We saw a man like Jeremiah. He wrote such things. He stood, so to speak, on his guard post. And the Lord revealed to him how long Israel will be in captivity. And then he wrote that vision and made it plain. And when Daniel took the book years later and read it, he discovered that what God planned was that Israel would be in captivity out of their own land. All right, They would be in Babylon for 70 years. And he checked the time and he realized that that time was over. So he began to pray. His prayer was to confirm that which the Lord said he was going to do. And that's how it is. So what we do regularly, especially when it comes to our lives, we study God's word. It is not the basis of prayer. We saw, um, I discussed it last time again, that um, we're talking about effectual fervent prayer, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man that makes tremendous power available. The example we saw was that of, um, uh, of course, the one James was referring to specifically was that of Elijah. Elijah prayed seven times. He stood in the place of prayer, watching out for any sign. And we said, why the man will stand there is because he knew for certain he had seen something. So he was going to pray until that which he saw would begin to manifest. And last time I talked about the different things that could have kept him there. And we looked at the prayer of Daniel also. The different things that could have kept him praying until the angel got the spiritual power to break through so that Michael was released to help is the kind of prayer I was saying. So we said that we'll keep on modifying prayer. What does it modify now? Handling different matters in prayer. And why we do that is because we know that something is going to happen. Without expectation, prayer, we said, is not possible. And the example we gave some time ago was that the man, uh, Thomas Edison, was said to have tested the electric bulb, all right, thousands of times. Let's even make it easy. Let's say 1,000 times. Testing one thing 1,000 times is a lot of times, all right? And, you know, some of us will say that insanity is doing things in the same way and, get, and uh, expecting a different result. The man tested 1,000 times, but the question is that, why did he keep trying? Because he had no doubt it would work. He had no doubt it would work. There was absolutely no doubt in his heart. Somebody must have given him that confidence. We don't know for sure. Some of those scientists, maybe from calculations, from observations... Or maybe one day he stumbled into it and he can't remember what he did. You know, it happens like that sometimes. You did something, say, you say, I can't remember. Maybe you're on your computer. You, know, you did something. You said, this thing worked just now. Or it worked yesterday. I can't remember. You say, what is I can't remember exactly what I did. You will sit there. Maybe something like that happened to him. For some of them, what happened is that through spiritual manifestations, they had the revelation that this thing will work. For some people, it's like that. Different things could have happened. But the man had no doubt it was going to work. And that's what prayer is. When we have taken the word of God and out of it, expectation has been created. And last time, we now began to say something. I explained something, all right? That our gospel is real, is tangible. Our Christ is alive. Our God is near us. It's not just a set of principles, it's a person. Are you getting my point? And that's one level I said we should move into. Last time I said, everybody, please go and read Guided by the Spirit. Because I want people to know that those things are real. The problem, the mistake Christians have made is that they made what was um, something that God did once in a while. They made it look like that's what he does every day. So they will tell you that I don't eat, God speaks to me. God, has, God said I have spoken before. 
what did he say? He said, I've given you all the herbs of the, all the fruits bearing this thing as fruit. That's all I'm going to tell you. You understand? I've told you to eat. When the morning we say, I want God to speak before I eat breakfast. That's the extreme to which we carry it to. And then sometimes we now start feeling spiritual. Because he said, what did you eat this morning? He said, I was about to uh, boil yam, and the Holy Spirit said I should eat rice. So I ate rice. So you are wondering, okay, what now happened? Nothing. I now became full. You became full. What now happened after? I now digested the food. I now have strength. That's why we are talking. So if you have eaten this bread, you now become full. Do you get my point? It now becomes ridiculous. So sometimes you now ask people, please, uh, let's walk down. I need something. Escort me down to this place. Say, let me pray first. Whether the Holy Spirit will say I should go. That's where we now carry it to the ridiculous end. It, but however, like we said, we don't counterfeit 300 naira because there's no genuine 300 naira. Those things do happen. They are just not the regular ways by which the Lord leads people. Not the regular way by which he leads. So, how was the regular way by which he re- leads? It's through spiritual reasoning. What's spiritual reasoning? Forming your standards by the word of God. Forming your, um, your, uh, your yardstick for measuring things. With God's word. That's spirituality. Spirituality is not that I heard the voice of the Spirit before I took an action. Spirituality is that the scriptures, the word of God is my basis for taking actions. That my standards, my goals are set according to what is written in scriptures. If God says something is valuable, I say it is valuable. If God says it is worthless, I know it's worthless. That's the word of God. For example, he says a good name is better than silver and gold. I believe that. So if I see a man with a bad name, and he has a lot of money. I know he's less valuable than the man that has less money, but that has a good name. Do you understand? If I want to marry as an example, he said, choose. Say, this one is finer than this one. He said, the Bible says that charm is deceitful, and what? Beauty is vain. That's what the word of God says. We can't discuss it. So that becomes what? My standard. That is spirituality. That is spirituality. Where should I go? Like one of our brothers once, he said, I told him, I couldn't even remember. No, he said, I was preaching, actually. Then he was in Enugu, and he, was, um, he needed to move his business. So he was thinking of moving his business to Lagos. So he was in a place, you know, I mean, he needed to make a decision. So he was thinking, should I move to Lagos? Should I stay in Enugu? He was thinking. He said, well, that day he came to church, and I was the one preaching. And I, I, and I began to speak about such things. And I said that, where should I be? He said, ask yourself, where is ministry? And when we say ministry now, we, didn't say, we do not mean where is preaching. We mean where is God using me to impact people? Where is God speaking through me into people's lives? Where is my gift being exercised to the glory of God? Where is it? He said, one day I just said, where is ministry? He said, instantly he made his decision. I told you about our brother that got a job, right? In fact, I didn't even get, get, get information fully. He had, he had the appointment already. What he was supposed to pick was his posting letter. So, you know, the bank would say, go and report in this particular branch. So that's what he was supposed to pick. And he walked in here and he saw the book, Don't Quit the Army. And he read the back. And he's, let me use the same words now. He just realized that where I'm supposed to be is where God is ministering through me. Just walked away from the bank job and went back to a secondary school where he was working. You know, when you hear such things, in fact, when I heard it, I said, indeed, the word is working. That's what the word is. No, it's not, the word is working. It's not, I now, I now made 10 million and I know. The word is working is that a young man saw money and he saw ministry. And he said, no, let me stick with ministry. It's the opposite of Demas. Mm-hmm. Do you get my point? Yes, 
Yeah, it's the opposite of Demas. It's the opposite of Demas. That the man said, listen, this is where God is using me. This is what God is doing, right, through me. And he said that if I move now, who will do what I'm doing in the lives of these young people? He said, I couldn't find. So he decided that it therefore could not be time to leave. The Holy Spirit did not talk to him. A book talks to him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Not even a book, the cover of a book. The back cover. You know what they call back cover? Those things that they just put about the author. Uh-huh. And then below, about the book. It was about the book he read. And he made, his, made up his mind. The Holy Spirit speak to him. Well, let's just, the way we are saying it, no. No. But the word spoke to him. Are you getting my point? That is spirituality. That is spirituality. For the word to be tangible to you. For it to be real. For it to be real. And that's what we're talking about. So, let's get that clear. So that's the normal way by which we walk. However, there is also a spiritual manifestation. And I just want to introduce it to, to us. There is a spiritual manifestation. There are times that you pray about things because of revelation. Revelation comes in different ways. Revelation can come to you as an individual through dreams, through visions, through if you have a prophetic unction, all right, or God just grants that, you know, you can have that, those manifestations. Or somebody else who is a known prophet amongst you. For example, Agabus. Let me just say something, eh? Let's not, we will not downplay prophet, the prophetic office because there are so many jokers in town. There are so many jokers. I have one national joker and one local joker. They are jokers. They are jokers all over the place. All right? But we're not because of jokers downplay this, the, the prophetic. I need to say that again. Let us not because of jokers downplay the prophetic. What happens is that, you know, I like one thing Kenneth said once, that he almost died. I'm summarizing many things now from losing his life and all of that. He was going to die early because of all the jokers in town. He said those early days, he used to brand his uh, uh, programs, teaching and deliverance. He, redu- he reduced the name deliverance, removed the name deliverance, because there were too many funny deliverance people. He said he stopped prophesying because he did not want to be classed with those clowns, all kinds of prophets. And the Lord had to appear to him one day, in the time of his crisis, after he injured himself, he was in hospital. The Lord had to appear to him that this injury took place so that we can have this meeting. That were it not for this meeting, you would have died at the age of 55. At that time, it was in his late 30s. Why would you die? He said, because... And funny, I was listening to him again today. He said there was a time when the Lord had to correct him again in a dramatic way. He said at that time, he had not had the meeting in which he laid hands on the sick for four years. I said, what? You? I, I never noticed that. I've listened to that more than 50 times, maybe 100 times. It's today I just noticed that the man said he had not laid hands on the sick in over four years. Sometimes the Lord comes to correct us. He was corrected because he said he stopped the prophetic. Just now I told you about people start having evil spirits speaking to them. But I, I emphasized that these are counterfeit manifestations of that which is genuine. And I feel like asking us, people of God, start praying. Paul said, despise not prophesying. He said, covet earnestly spiritual gifts. He wasn't talking about individually now. Actually, we're writing to a church that the church should want it. We should want it. And I think we need to drive away the fake people out of town. Do you understand? Yeah, we need to. We need to. The one in which we are using comedians to attract people to church is bad. Yes, people should be attracted to church because of the demonstration of spiritual power. The Bible makes it clear that they give attention to Philip. 
hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. They heard the things he said. They, heard, they saw the miracles that he did. Do you get my point? We need to pray that prayer. It's a very important prayer. Because, you see, Agabus came. He showed the church what will happen. He told them that there's going to be a famine. They prepared for it. They prepared for it. This is, I mean, Naira will just crash on people, on us. Nobody prepared for it. Nobody prepared for it. Good luck, Jonathan was going for second tenure. Third tenure, actually. <laughs> but second elected tenure. And all the prophets I knew in Nigeria was prophesying he's coming back. You know, they were all prophesying. The, the tab I was using that time, I, I didn't used to use it. Most of the tabs I use, I don't use them much for any other thing apart from just reading reading Bible and, you know, books. But news, I tend to get on my phone. And I read my online news on my, I use a big screen phone. So, so one of those is I read news on my tab. Because I don't read it often, that page was there in the app I was using that time. When I opened that app seven months later, I told you to let you know that I don't open it often. It was open on the prophecy of the man that said that Jonathan will come back. And I laughed. I went to screen capture it, but there's no need. <laughs> he professed the Lord told him that Jonathan is coming back. And the Lord said that we just need to pray against assassination. And once it's not assassinated, he will come back. Well, like I said jokingly, what they forgot to tell us that they were in Otoki prophesying that he will come back home. <laughs> they did not know. Now, this is the reason why many Christians have forgotten that there's a role of prophecy. That is a real word of knowledge. Not just prophesying the good word now, but a word of knowledge. But Agabus prophesied and told the church there was going to be famine. And they prepared for it. He saw Paul's belt on the floor. And he said, who wants this belt? And he tied himself. He said, you see that? They said, yes, this is how this person will be tied. Somebody said, ah, that's Apostle Paul's belt. He said, oh, God, Paul, sorry, I didn't know it was your own, but the prophecy remains anyway. <laughs> I mean, it prepared people. Do you understand? And I'm going to say, when God wants us to do, when God wants to do something specific, He also reveals it. The number of ways He reveals, I've mentioned two. One, He can reveal to you personally through diverse spiritual manifestations. Two, there may be an agabus. I will need to pray that there will be agabuses. Do you get my point? Yeah, we need to pray. We need to pray, and not only because there are they are there. It's not just, you, know, you have to recognize, ability to recognize is genuine. Because one of the problems I've had is that you see a man prophesy today, give you the accurate word of God. The next time you prophesy something else, and it's as conflicting with spiritual sense. And time will now prove that he's not right this time around. It's confusing. We know about the man of God that God sent to um, Jeroboam. And he prophesied against the altars of Jeroboam. And an old prophet came and lied to him. And the same prophet, do you understand, opened his mouth again. Having said, the Lord said to me that I should take you back home. When the judgment of God came against a young prophet, that man prophesied accurately. That's what we need to pray against. Those, kind of, those kinds of confusion that come upon the body of Christ. In which you cannot even stick with a man and say he's genuine. Sometimes his emotions come up. And he starts saying things and saying, Thus says the Lord, and the conviction comes upon our souls. I thought about it, what else can you do? Apart from fear God and pray, there's nothing else you can do. That's why we all, look, that's why, for me, it's even exciting because it shows that Christianity is dynamic. You know, it's, it's living. 
You take each word of prophecy and use it to pray, not just act upon it. You take each word of prophecy like that and turn it to a prayer. If you are praying against that which is not true, the Holy Spirit will let you know quickly. Stop wasting your time. That guy was smoking when he said that thing. I didn't send him. It's in the Bible like that. So I did not send these prophets, yet they ran. It happens. Prophets, many times they are not sent, but they run. All those who prophesy false prophecies in the Bible were true prophets. If you are not a true prophet, nobody will take your false prophet seriously. Do you get my point? The Zedekiahs that prophesied against Jeremiah, they had to be true prophets first of all, for them to be able to give false prophecies against Jeremiah. Otherwise, if they were nobodies, who would listen to them? Uh, you are getting my point here. In fact, all I can just say, because we can close, is that we need to pray for the genuine manifestation of the, Spirit, uh, of the Spirit of God and for the church of God to be able to descend that which is genuine and separate from that which is fake. And I believe very strongly, the time will come shortly that all those, like I keep on saying to all those our jokers, you can prophesy in any name you like, predict there is no problem. But if you mention the name of Jesus and you know you are fake, you will die. And that's not a big joke. I'm not going to die by fire. You will just die. Whether it's by fire or by water. No. I know what I'm saying. I'm not kidding. All right? Look, I tell you, in Lagos those days, they had all kinds of people. Jesus of Uyimbo was there. Christians didn't take him serious. You needed to be confused to follow a man that had ten wives. Are you getting my point? To follow a man that will marry a woman and marry her daughter. So those following him, they knew what they were following. Some people followed Oshofa. Oshofa had 36 wives. Other 34, okay, if I'm mistaken, it's 35. I think he had 35 or 36 wives. He had. People followed him. No, I have no problem with it. It's a free country. It's a very, very free country. I can get up tomorrow and decide that I am the redeemer of mankind that I come again. And they call me Savior Banky. You know the truth? Jesus will eventually kill me, but it doesn't, waste, it doesn't really bother about me. He said, look, this, you can't confuse anybody. Anybody that follows you wants to be confused. The ones that the Lord will judge quickly are those who wear our suits. You get my point? Carry the name of Jesus. Advertise in the name of Jesus. Copy the mannerisms of genuine preachers and prophets. And then start prophesying lies in the name of Jesus. Those ones, get ready. Start watching out for them. They'll start dropping one by one. One by one. If an Ogun or Shongo worshiper, Amadio Haman stands, starts a big church and they bow to evil spirits, God will leave them. There's no confusion. The ones that cause confusion are the ones that start dropping one by one. Very soon. They will start dropping. They will start dropping. Now, I was talking to one of our sisters, you know, yesterday. I actually finished telling, me, telling us, my wife and I, about the, some of the problems that the brother was having. I just said, false prophets are talking to him. I said, there are problems a man has. Look, it has to be that he's listening to a false prophet. And then she extended the stories, and we heard, indeed, false prophets were talking to him. A man I know, he told me one day that the reason why he's almost going mad is that his wife left home and he doesn't know why. Let me explain. You went to work. Yeah, I mean, husband and wife can have friction. Who pressed the toothpaste? Why didn't you press it from the bottom? I told you to start pressing from the top. That can happen. They didn't have any quarrels more serious than things like that. Yet he came back home and his wife was not at home. And he was even getting angry that where has she gone? Finally, she was in her parents' place. Called her. 
Why are you staying there late till this time of the night? Let's make a long story short. She never came back. He waited for a whole year. She did, she did not come back. They did everything. No, this guy didn't come back. When he told me, he said, what is driving me crazy now is that I can't say this happened, this happened. He said, we did not quarrel. And I said to him, that is what happens when people visit prophets. That's where I'm going. I said, this behavior, there is only one explanation. Prophets. False prophets. They've spoken to your wife. They've spoken to the family. Not a joke. Oh. Not, not, not a smart thing. Oh. False prophets, they are very dangerous people. They are very, very dangerous people. If you ever hear me talk about them on radio, I think I have more mercy on an arm robber than I have on false prophets. I think so. These people are terrible. Take a man, separate him from his wife. Take children, separate them from their parents. I've seen men, women, who are elderly and suffering. Yet they have children that are well-to-do, who can easily take care of their parents, but they won't. Why? A false prophet said something to them, and they've run away from their parents because of a false prophet. That's just by the way. The Lord is good. What do we need to do as people of God? Where I was going, actually, is to teach us that we need to pray with prophetic insight. That's why we read from Habakkuk. Occasionally, God sends a prophetic insight to give us direction to pray. So the prayer we need to pray, first of all, is that, Lord, we want to stand on our watch. We want you to reactivate in a strong measure the power of the prophetic in the body of Christ. And, Lord, please shut down the noise of false prophets. We are tired. It's a very important prayer. When I'm confusing, everybody thinks that... As Akenahiki said, he stopped prophesying because of them. And the Lord warned him. The Lord said, if I didn't warn you today, you will have died at the age of 55. That you will not have lived beyond. The man died at 88. 33 years later than he would have died was when he finally died. Because he heeded the Lord's correction. He said, because he didn't want to be classified with the false prophets. There are many false people, but they're not the problem of the church today. The problem is that we don't have enough of the genuine manifestation. We don't have enough of the genuine. And what happens is that people have gone, to the, the, what happened more like, that people's hearts have been turned off. Okay? I, I, I endeavor to explain that there is a way by which God leads us regularly. Let's not swing into this. God told me to eat yam. God told me to eat biscuit. He told me that not to put milk in my tea. Do you understand? Let's not swing into those excesses. Even though such things do happen once in a rare while. Do you understand? But that's not the normal. However, having said that, our Christianity is still alive. Our God is alive. The Holy Spirit is there. And it still leads us into all truth. And it reveals to all what God wants to do. And I said something. There are prophecies that have come beforehand. I believe very strongly the prophecies of people like Pai Elton and Rehon Bongi concerning a country like this. And they guard even my decisions when I'm deciding on things. One of the reasons why I will not bail out on this country, one of the reasons is that you can't. God, God has invested so much, and you are the next line of investment that he's making. You can't walk away. If you walk away, what he wants to do will not be done. Don't think that God will do whatever he wants to do, no matter what. No. If he doesn't find enough people to participate, he suspends what he wants to do until he can raise another generation that will cooperate with him. That's just the way it works. Let's rise and pray. I want us to close.
I'll continue talking about this. I want to just pray. It's a very simple prayer. Paul said, covet earnestly the best gifts. He said, desire sincere gifts. That's what he said. I want us to pray for a reactivation of the prophetic in the, in the church in this country. It's a very simple prayer. Let's, be, let's raise our voice and begin to pray. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you for a release of your anointing for the supernatural, for a reactivation of the prophetic gifts in this country, in the church, in this nation, in the name of Jesus. It's a simple prayer. Just, just pray like that. Lord, we ask for a release of the genuine, genuine, the genuine operations of the Spirit that we might drive away that which is false. So Lord, we ask you to break all the altars of lies that has caused confusion in this nation and replace them with the altars of truth from where the word of God, the true word of God will be released. The church of Christ are a prophetic people. They descend the heart of God, the mind of God, concerning what he wants to do, and they begin to pray it into existence. Jeremiah saw what the Lord wanted to do. He wrote it down. I'm convinced men like Pilatin, they wrote those things down concerning this nation. What God, the body of Christ, of course, in this nation, and the influence it's going to have in the end time move of God in this continent and all over the world. We are praying those things to be. We are praying those things to be. So let's say, Lord, activate again amongst us the power of the prophetic. So that we will pray not as one punching the air. Let's ask, let's, let's, let, let, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, do this. Activate in our midst the power of the prophetic. You say you will pour your spirit upon all flesh. The old men will dream dreams. The young men will prophesy. Upon your daughters and your sons, my spirit will come down, the Lord said. Say, Lord, make those things real in our nation, in, our, in, the, in your church, in the body of Christ in this generation. In this generation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let the church be the church that moves with the power of God again. I like the way Peter prayed, led the church to pray that time. When they had threats, when there were problems everywhere. He didn't say, Lord, take away the threats. He said, just do wonders. Why should we mention the name of Jesus? That's good enough for us. Say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in this season, do wonders at the mention of the name of Jesus. Let every altar, let every altar of Baal be scattered. Those raised up for false worship. Many of those Baals, these days, they have built churches, you know that. Yes, they built assemblies. Say, Lord, let every altar of Baal be scattered. Yes, sometimes they are hidden inside what is called churches. But let us ask, say, Lord, let those altars be scattered. But there has to be Elijah. Elijah has to arise. Not just scatter it and leave it empty, leave the place empty. Elijah must be, that means Elijah's must be released to replace. There must be the release of Elijah so as to replace the false ones. Sometimes all these fallacies, all these false prophecies, they've come in to fill a vacuum. We need to arise and fill that space with that which is true. Say, Lord, arise upon us and fill that space with that which is true. Now, I want us to pray one more prayer. Say, individually now, 
We've been praying for the body of Christ, praying for the nation. But let's pray individually. Say, Lord, I yield myself to you again. Amen. Yes, pray, pray. pray. Use your own mouth. Pray. Say, Lord, I yield myself to you again. Lord, I yield myself to you again. Put up your hands as, as in surrender. Say, Lord, I yield myself to you. Speak your word through me. Say, Lord, speak your word through me. Lord, speak your word through me. I yield myself as a minister of the new covenant. By these hands, Lord, heal the sick. In my office, let me be a prophetic voice. In my office, let me be a prophetic voice. Let me preach the gospel with signs following. In the name of Jesus, say, Lord, I yield myself to you again. Lord, let everything I do be as a missionary. If I do business, it's a mission. If I'm raising children, it's a mission. If I'm having children, it's a mission. I'm walking into a marriage, it's a mission. I'm taking a job, it's a mission. Lord, I yield myself to you again today. In the name of Jesus. I don't live for myself. I don't live for myself. I refuse henceforth to live for myself. It died for all. That those who live may no longer live for themselves. But live for the one who died and rose again on their behalf. Say, Lord Jesus, you died and rose again on my behalf. Therefore, I raise my hands to you in surrender today. And I say, I live for you alone. Use me. This tongue, let it be the word of God. Let it minister grace. These hands, let it deliver the power of the spirit into the bodies of those who are sick. Let the sick be healed at the laying on of these hands. Let Jesus be preached with power again. By my hands, yes, I want to be amongst those who are preaching Jesus with power. I want to be amongst those who are preaching Jesus with power. By my hands, in the name of Jesus. Let the word be confirmed. The word of the Lord Jesus. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Let's give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. Let's give him thanks. Let's give the Lord thanks. Now declare after me, say in the name of Jesus. The church of God is marching on. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Of course, you know that means that they can't withstand the advance. Say in the name of Jesus. The body of Christ. We are a prophetic people. Say that again in the name of Jesus. We are a prophetic people. The church of Christ in this nation. Say every altar of Baal raised up to promote false worship. We break it down in the name of Jesus Christ. We come in the spirit of Elijah in the name of Jesus and we overthrow every false worship. Especially those camouflaged as true churches of Christ. In the name of Jesus. Say we are yielded. The power of God is flowing through us. This is our season of manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's give the Lord thanks again. Say, Father, we thank you. Say, Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today. Your name be praised and exalted. In Jesus' name. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, Surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil. 
because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, can you bless somebody on your left and your right? Say, this is your season. Bless another person. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. One more person, please. This is your season.